Inside the Ring is sponsored by Egg Weights, Liquid IV, and Goalie. So before we get started with this week's interview, I wanted to give a special shout out to Awala Water Bottles. So these water bottles are leak-proof, easy to use. They are great for sessions at the gym, working from home, or long car rides. And what's even better about these water bottles is that you can win one of them for free on my official Inside the Ring Instagram page, at Inside the Ring Official. All you have to do is scroll down to my giveaway with Awala post. It's not too far down. You tag a friend, you follow me at Inside the Ring Official and Awala at Awala, which is O-W-A-L-A, and you're automatically put in for the giveaway. So feel free to tag as many friends as you want. The more friends that you tag, the more chances you have to win. This giveaway isn't going to last forever, though. I will be announcing the winner on March 12th, 2021 at the end of the day. So keep your inboxes open because I may be messaging you to get your address and your contact information for that free Walla bottle. All right, let's get started with the interview. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Inside the Ring. So today at Inside the Ring, we have an American professional boxer and former kickboxer who held the WBO junior welterweight title in 2014. He was an undefeated ISKA world welterweight and WKA world super welterweight champion in kickboxing. Outside of boxing, he's a nutritionist out with a cookbook called Fighter's Kitchen, which we'll get to. Welcome to the show, Chris Algieri. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I've been I've been following your career for quite some time now, fellow Italian. You know, had to support my uh, had to support my fellow Italian, and so it's an honor to have you on the show. It's one of the first few guests that I've had on, so thank you. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Always good to be talking to a, another Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, always the first question I ask when someone comes on the show is, when did you first put on your pair of gloves, and why? Uh, good question. So <clears throat> I'm from Long Island, especially, you know, in the eighties and nineties, there wasn't a lot of gyms, wasn't a lot of opportunities to box. Mm-hmm. So I actually started in martial arts. Um, I was always interested in boxing. My grandfather, my mother is from Argentina and we lived with our grandparents, her, fa- her parents. And, uh, in Argentina, you know, basically it's soccer, you know, football, boxing and barbecue. That was, that was my entire upbringing. So, um, I played soccer, wasn't really my thing, but boxing, fighting, that, that whole idea, watching that with my grandfather growing up was literally the first, first sport I ever remember watching was boxing. And, um, he was my hero and he talked about these champions, like they were his heroes. So for me, it was like my hero's hero. That's, that's what I want to be. Um, and he was just like, absolutely not. You know, he, he was not into that. So growing up being around family members that were watching boxing, was there a certain boxer that you grew up watching that made you think I would love to go pro and, you know, I I'm inspired by this professional boxer. Uh, I mean, a number of them. Uh, the, the first one that came like literally that I watched that really, I was like, I'm going to do that was Oscar De La Hoya. You know, he was, you know, the nineties was, you know, especially late nineties, early two thousands. That was all Oscar. Uh, but my grandfather loved Roy Jones Jr. He loved Mike Tyson. And he always spoke about a lot of fighters that I, you know, before my time, I ended up getting a lot of like VHS tapes when VHS was actually a thing. Um, and uh, he loved Alexis Arguello. That was the guy that he talked about. Like, that's the one that sticks out of my mind. The first, first champion I ever remember really hearing about. And then just doing my research, literally back then going to libraries and getting books on, on boxing um, before the internet and reading about those guys. Um, 
and Alexis always struck me as just the, the ultimate gentleman champion. You know, the guy who was an absolute killer in the ring, but would literally pick up the guy, the guy who just, he just completely starched, you know, and after, in other words was, you know, and, and outside of the ring was totally a, a gentleman and really nice and a scholar kind of thing. So for me, I was like, all right, that's, that's what a champion is. And then the next kind of person that reminded me of that was, was De La Hoya. And that was like during those, those years where he, he was that crossover appeal where he could smile outside the ring, but in the ring, he was trying to crack you, you know? So for me, that was, that was kind of like the ideal. You had talked about originally you were into martial arts and you actually started off your professional uh, career as a professional kickboxer and then you mm. retired to become a pro boxer. So why was there the change and why did you start being a professional kickboxer and then transition into being a professional boxer? What was the reason behind that? Yeah. So like I said, like on Long Island, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for boxing gyms. Um, you know, there was the Brentwood Rec Center, which is where Buddy McGirt famously trained uh, for some time. Pernod Whitaker trained out of there as well for certain, certain camps. Um, but for the most part, there wasn't a lot of boxing in the 90s on Long Island. So uh, the closest thing to it for me was, you know, it was martial arts. I played every sport under the sun, but um, fighting was always the kind of the thing that, that stuck with me. So, you know, I, I went to a, a martial arts, so I went to a couple of them, but we started sparring and I was like, oh, this is, this is what I like. And then I went to a kickboxing match with my father when I was about 12 or 13. And I was, that was it. it was, the decision was made. That's exactly, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to fight. Um, I had my first amateur kickboxing fight when I was about 14. And, uh, I wanted to turn pro at 18, but, uh, I broke my hand. It was my first year of college and took another year. So I turned pro at 19. Um, but yeah, that was, that was it. I went to a fight at 12, a live fight, and I was completely hooked. Now you finished college. You went to Stony Brook, was it? Or Stony Brook undergrad. Yeah. Okay. And so you were pro while going to school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, my entire school undergrad and graduate, I was a full-time fighter. I feel like that's something super, you, do, you really don't hear a lot of professional boxers either going for higher education or balancing the two. It's either one or the other. So for those that may be listening to the show that are kind of on the fence of, I want to be a pro, but I also kind of want to get that paper in my hand too. What would you say? How did you balance those two? And what would be some advice to our listeners? Uh, I mean, even before that, like, I just, I didn't have a choice, you know, for my family, it was like, you're going to school. You know, like I said, my grandfather didn't want me to fight. Um, education was very, very, uh, forward in my, in my family, in my upbringing. So there was no option for me. So if I wanted to fight, I knew I had to get my schooling done first, but honestly, I mean, I was good at school and that was something that I was interested in. Um, and especially once you get past high school, you can study what you want. You can choose what you want to study. So for me, I was studying healthcare and nutrition and, and the human body, um, and, because it pertained to what I, I really loved and really what I really wanted to do, which was making my body the best version of itself so I could fight. Um, but yeah, I mean, time management, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's like focus on what your actual goals are, what you really want, find your, your true interests and just go that way. It, it, there's so much time in a day to get things done that you want to get done. So for me, um, you know, I didn't have much of a social life in college, but I don't care. I have a great social life now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I look at where you're at now. Yeah, it, it, it worked out. You know, it was a, it was a bunch of years of, of discipline and sacrifice. But for whatever reason, I knew from a very young age that um, sacrifice, discipline, staying focused, staying on, on on the path was was the way to success. So for me, you know, it, it, I, I don't know if I got lucky or whatever it was my upbringing, but I, I figured that out really early and just never deterred from that. So any goal I ever wanted, just just stay focused and get it done. 
Very well said. So going back to that transition from kickboxing to boxing, what do you think was the hardest thing to change in regards to your fighting style when uh, transitioning sports for you? Um, <clears throat> two things. One, the jab, because you don't really jab in kickboxing because it's just too many openings, right? Kicks are so much longer. A leg is so much longer than an arm. So you don't use your left jab much because guys can kick underneath it. They can kick over it. They can, you know, it's, it's very easy to counter when you have a leg that's double the length of an arm. So you don't jab. So in kickboxing, I had to turn to that. And literally jab is my best punch in boxing. It's something that I really, really focused on. I made it, made it my thing. Um, and then also the pace. So boxing is three minute rounds and a kickboxing match is two minute rounds and kickboxing is a power sport. It's you're setting up your legs. So you can, you can kick a guy's head off. It's, it's, everything is hard. Um, even the punches, like you just, you just, everything is solid and hard. You don't throw a lot of combinations. Um, not, not like the way you do in, in boxing. So the pace was very different, longer rounds and you just throw way more punches. So conditioning for boxing is an entirely different thing. They're, they're, they're very different sports from a metabolic standpoint. Do you still train kickboxing or are you primarily just when you train, you're training as a professional boxer? I don't, I don't spar kickboxing. I don't kick any bodies. Um, it, it, you know, one thing about kicking is it's, uh, it's really easy to hurt your shins and kicking yeah. elbows and kicking heads and banging toes and all that. I mean, so I, I don't risk that risk that, um, I do love to train it just for fitness. Cause kicking is a, is a, is a, a really good uh, way to work out and great way to train your, your abs and your, and your, your lower body. Um, you, but it's like also like riding a bike. I'll never forget how to kickbox. I could, I could do a kickboxing fight, you know, like next month. You know, it's just one of those things. You're still training, which um, we're going to talk about a little later as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to backtrack a little more and I'd like to stroll down memory lane with you real quick. So when you were fighting light welterweight in 2014, you fought newly crowned at the time WBO junior welterweight champion, Ruslan Pro, uh, Provodin. Vodnikov, I can't talk. Nice. Okay? You got it. You got it. That's a, that's a tough name. <laughs> it was, I, I'm actually going to pat myself on the back for that. Um, Good job. <laughs> thanks. And him fighting you was really meant for him to have a warm-up fight, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. But even after you'd gotten dropped and you had some swelling of the eyes, there seemed to be, and I watched parts of the fight, where there was seemed to be like a, a newfound flame that was lit underneath you. And you ended up with the victory via split decision. In that moment, do you remember how you felt in those early rounds? And what was it that was said to you or something that you said to yourself that kind of like kicked you into maximum overdrive and had you take control of that fight? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I literally, I remember every moment of every fight, except for fights where I was concussed on my feet. But other than that, I literally remember everything from all, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, uh, I've had 47 pro fights at this point. So um, I'm always very aware when I fight. So honestly, the, the turn was the first round. It was, it was when I decided to take the knee. You know, I got hit um, with uh, a left hook. We traded left hooks early in the first round. And it was just a weird shot. It, it, it kind of hit like in my tear duct. It broke my nose, broke my orbital in three places. And my eyes started swelling immediately. And uh, I got up and uh, literally was like, fuck, like you cannot believe you just got hit with that. Like, cause I knew, I knew what he was, what I was doing. I knew what the plan was. And that wasn't the plan. Um, I had hit him with, a, with an uppercut that was like, literally I threw like a, like a throwaway shot and I hit him right on the chin. I'm like, Oh, this guy's really easy to hit. So let me do that again. And I put the hook, the hook behind it. 
And that was not the plan. I was supposed to do that rounds later. I was supposed to wear him down, use my jab, make him miss. You know, he's a power puncher. He wants to set his feet. He wants to load up on shots, tire him out, hit him to the body, make him miss, make him hesitant, and then trade the shot with him later on. Hopefully he knocks himself out trying to really try and hit me. But I was like, I got greedy and I did it in the first round and I got cracked and I paid the price. And that's, that's what boxing is all about. So for me, I was so mad at myself with that first knockdown. Um, but also I was like, all right, my face is really damaged. I'd, I'd never been hit that hard before. I didn't know people could even punch that hard. Um, I felt literally like he punched a hole in my face because I was numb. Literally, this was all numb. I felt like it literally his fist went into my skull. So my teeth and lip were numb for like a month after that because the nerve damage wow. and the fracture. So literally like this was all like there was there was no feeling. So it was a very strange moment where I was like, oh, man, this is this is really bad. Um, you know, I really gotta, gotta, gotta stay focused, but really, even if you watch that first round, I won the end of that round too. I got up and I went right to that. You said that fire was there. Cause I was like, all right, I got to go back to the game plan. I know what the plan is. Um, but I had to really change up my style because I knew I couldn't get hit on this anymore. So that's why I threw so few right hands in the fight. Um, people thought I was left-handed after that fight cause I threw my left arm so much, but I, I had to protect my right hand. So if he did hit me with anything, I at least had my glove up and I wasn't taking a full shot on, on that damaged eye again. How do you allow, how do you not allow your emotions to get the better of you in the ring? Because I feel like a lot of, a lot of green fighters, they just want to brawl and they, as soon as they get hit, it's like a fight or flight and they just want to throw hands and there's no rhyme or reason behind it. And then they end up getting hurt even more than they did the first time. So how do you let those emotions get put to the side and really focus on the game plan that you originally had? I figured it. I mean, it's trial by error. It's, it's, it's experience. You know, people forget I had 20 pro kickboxing fights before I ever fought a boxing match. And you know, that night was the first time I got dropped in boxing. I had been dropped in kickboxing before to get up and win, you know? So I knew what that was like. I knew like to take a knee. Everyone's like, I can't believe you took a knee. That was so smart. Cause I couldn't see literally. Um, and then other people, you know, they were talking shit like, ah, oh, you took a knee. Like what kind of, I was like, yeah, well, otherwise I the fight was going to be, was going to end. So I stayed up and I won. Yeah, that's it was a smart tactical decision because I had been there before in kickboxing. I had been dropped before in kickboxing. Um, I knew what it's like to be on the canvas. I knew what it's like to to try and gather yourself. Um, and luckily with with that fight, I wasn't that uh, hurt. Like my I was damaged. It wasn't like I was knocked out or like you know my my equilibrium was fine. Everything was fine. My body was completely aware. I was just damaged. So, um, for me, I had all my, my, my wits about me, my body about me. So for the, for that, it was just like, all right, you just need some time for your eye to start working again. Cause literally I was, I couldn't see it either eye when it first got hit. Um, like, I guess my, I don't know about my, my brain was in shock, but, um, once it came back, I was like, all right, I can go back to work now. That's, that's scary though. Losing sight for that quick second or just being like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I did yeah. not expect that at all. Um, actually, one of the questions that I received from one of my listeners for you in regards to this fight was, at the end of the fight, and you were waiting for the results, you knew that you did everything that you could in the ring, but also being the underdog, did you think that you wouldn't come out with that win, even though you knew that you did the best you could and that you had the advantage? Well, I knew I won. I knew I won the fight. Um, and if you can't go back on like people like who, if you can't go back and watch that fight and know that I won the fight, then you don't know what boxing is. Um, so for me, but it's like you said, I knew like, you know, at the end there, I'm like, they're not going to give it to me. You know, like, I'm like, I fought my ass off, you know, I know I won, but like, I'm not going to get it. That's, you know, it's, that's, it, it, that happens, you know, I'm, I'm the B side. I wasn't, I wasn't brought in here to upset, the, you know, the, the, the boogeyman in the, in the, in the division, which he was at that point. 
Um, you know, at that he had just come off the fight of the year with Tim Bradley up at welterweight, then moved back down to 140 and destroys Mike Alvarado in his hometown in Denver in front of like 20,000 people. So he was like the scariest man on the planet at that point. Um, you know, so I was brought in, you know, as a sacrificial lamb, like you said, at the top. So I knew I wasn't coming, being brought in there to get the upset. So in my mind, I was like, all right, I won the fight. I'm just not going to get it. But as soon as I heard one judge gave it to me, I was like, I won. And I wanted, they're going to give it to me. I was like, if one judge could see what I was doing, I won the fight. Wow. It was so just- if you really watch when they're doing the, uh, like the, the announcing the, uh, the scores, um, as soon as they said, you know, 114, 112, Chris, I was like, Algier, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I got it <laughs> right away. What, what is your initial reaction when you're first declared the winner? Like what, take me back to like how that feels. Cause I can't even fathom those type of emotions. Is there even a word to describe it? Uh, yeah. You ever, um, step under a waterfall? Yes. And it just, to wash just like that. Stepping under a cold waterfall. Wow. It washes over you from, from, from the top, literally the top of your head and just all the way down. Beautifully said. I like that. Now, now every time I go underneath the waterfall, next time I'm at a waterfall, I'm going to think this is how it feels to win. <laughs> and, you go, and then you're just going to go like this. People are going, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing with Algerian. <laughs> <laughs> So then when you fought welterweight, um, you were fighting some of the greats. And that is one of the many reasons why I respect you as a fighter, because you are not one to run from a tough opponent. Even when the odds are against you, you fight back even harder. Is there a fight that has impacted your life uh, the most or has taught you the most? And if so, which is it and why? Um, you know, people would, you know, everyone asks like, Oh, was the Pacquiao like the, you know, the biggest, Hey, it was definitely the biggest event in my life. But, um, I think the things I had to overcome in the Ruslan fight, but even before that, there's so many fights before. And I think that's, you know, I hate the, the overnight sensation or the, you know, whatever the overnight sensation took me 15 years. Okay. Like I was, I, I wasn't world champion until I was 30. Um, you know, so in, in, in boxing. So it was a long time coming for me. And there were so many fights prior to that where I had to go through hell to, to get to the point where I was ready to pull that fight out, where I was ready to go through the camp to get there, you know, to Pacquiao. Um, and even that, like the Pacquiao, I call it the Pacquiao experience because we did a seven city press tour three months before the training camp even started. I lived in Las Vegas and trained in my own personal gym in the guts of the, of the, uh, of the Venetian hotel, um, you know, I had a suite as, as big as my condo, you know, it was, it was a wild, wild ride. Um, you know, so there was a lot of other things outside of just training and fighting or just fighting, which is what only the only people see or think that matters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole, that whole run, my whole career, honestly, it's been, it's, it's been a tough go from, from day one. I didn't have, I didn't have easy touches on the way up. I didn't have uh, a manager or a big promotional team to, to buy me the right opponents. Um, I just had always fought tough guys. That's why I was ready when, the, when, when those big fights came up. Have you maintained relationships with any of the people that you've fought in the past? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, actually my last opponent, Tommy Coyle and I are, are, are very friendly. Um, he's, he's since retired, uh, from the fight. Um, he's just a, he's just a, he's a great guy. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a tough British kid from Hull and, um, had a lot of big fights himself, but, um, yeah, he's just, he's a great guy. And everyone told me that leading up to the fight. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to go try to destroy him. Don't tell me how much of a nice guy he is now. <laughs> um, but you yeah, know, I've, I've, I've kept in contact with some other guys. I mean, I, I'm a commentator now. So like I, I've commentated Pacquiao's fight. So, um, so coming across, you know, dealing with him, 
um, running, you know, going across, uh, meeting Spence here and there, speaking to him. You know, it's, it's, the boxing community is a small world, especially at the top. So uh, Emmanuel Taylor is another guy that I speak to from time to time. Um, who's who's still, you know, he's still out there fighting. Very talented kid. Okay, and um, two and a half a year before that, you decided to take like a two and a half year break, and then you. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't decide to. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no days off is what you're saying. No, I, I had knee surgery. So I didn't tell anybody I had, I had a knee injury going into the Spence fight. Um, and I had knee surgery a couple days later. I knew I was going to be out of the ring for a while, but I also found some really uh, gnarly things about my promoter and what was going on behind the scenes with my contracts. So we got into a legal battle that lasted about two and a half years. So that was uh, the real reason. That's the ugly side of the sport and the business that um, as much as my life has been out there, I, I keep a lot of things to you know myself and keep it personal. And like, no one needs to know about the dirty laundry, but you know, now that in hindsight, it's a couple of years later, but a lot of people say, like, oh, you retired and came back. Like, nah, I didn't. But there's always nice. a reason. There's always mm-hmm. a reason. But um, I'm a fighter. I've been fighting since I was 19 years old. Like, this is what I do. I don't, I, I don't like taking time off. It just happens. Yeah. Well, I doubt you even took time off. Even when you were given the go, you were probably working your ass off every single day anyway. So 100%. I, there definitely was no break. But even after that, quote unquote, break, the last three fights that you had after that, you won. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, is there any comeback for Chris Algieri in 2021? Are there any plans to fight again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, pretty soon, actually, I wouldn't be sparring if I wasn't trying to line up a fight. Um, you know, it's, it's been a while out of the ring. Unfortunately, you know, 2020 was a, a really, really rough year for yeah. everyone. Um, you know, and you know, some of the, it was a great opportunity for some of the up and coming fighters, you know, the guys fighting on those, those summer cards on ESPN or getting that exposure. But if you really look at those guys, it's not, it's, they're not the highest level guys. You know, there are a lot of guys who are up and coming prospects, things like great opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the superstars, the Canelos, the Tiafimos, Lomachenkos, they get their fights. But a lot of those, those other guys in the next tier below um, haven't been that busy. And, you know, that's where I'm at at this point. So for now it's really just, you know, it was shaking the quarantine, getting, getting out. I had a couple of fights scheduled that during the, during the pandemic that were canceled, obviously. Um, and things just kept getting pushed back. And I told my manager, I'm like, let's not even talk until, um, you know, the end of 2020. And then we had a second spike and it's like, it just keeps pushing everything off, which sucks, but that's, you know, it's everyone. Exactly. Exactly. Is there anyone you kind of have your eyes on at the moment or, you know, right now I need to just get back to work. You know, um, I, 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 I don't want to jump right into a big fight, but honestly, if, if, if it presents itself, I'm an opportunity guy, you know? So if some, some kind of big fight does occur or is, is available, um, you know, that's, that's not me to, you know, turn down, turn down fights, but, you know, in the junior welterweight division, you know, it's a, it's a stacked division and all the titles are, are busy, you know, and that's actually, that actually kept me out of the ring a little bit at the end of 2019 too, because I had the, t- the eliminator for the WO title, which uh, Maurice Hooker had. So there were talks of us fighting because I won the eliminator against Tommy Coyle. We were supposed to get the Hooker fight, but then Hooker obviously took the, uh, the fight with Ramirez for the unification, which, you know, unifications are great. You know, I love, I love when you got champions, especially undefeated guys fighting each other to see who the real champion is. Uh, and then Hooker lost, and then Ramirez broke his hand, which pushed everything back. And then now Ramirez has uh, had two titles, so he's got two mandatories or three mandatories and it's postal. And then that got pushed back. So it was a lot of unfortunate events, um, pushed back the timeline. Uh, well, hopefully 2021 is a better year, the year of the Chris Algieri comebacks. I'd love to see you back in the ring. 
Um, I love seeing your commentating. You're great at commentating, but uh, definitely want to see you in the ring just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I got some more big ones left. Awesome. So um, like I've said, I've watched a good amount of your fights. And the one thing that I could say about you and every single one of your fights that you've been in is that from the beginning to the end of the rounds, you are extremely conditioned. You have high endurance, stamina. You hold yourself very well, even in the later rounds, which mm -hmm. is not something that all professional boxers can do. So what did your training slash diet look like while you were actively fighting? And has it changed at all? Can you give us a little bit of background on that? Uh, yeah. So, you know, with me coming from like literally my first boxing match was my pro debut when I was 25, you know, which is a very late start to the game. Even though I had the kickboxing experience, I had zero amateur boxing fights. So for me, um, I knew I had ground to make up. So I utilized myself as an athlete. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a good athlete. I'm a, I'm probably a better athlete than most of these guys out there. Um, and I have nutrition knowledge and background. So I utilized, you know, cutting weight better than other people, being in better condition than other people, fueling my body better than other people to bridge the gap of all the boxing experience that I missed out on. Um, and it, you know, it worked out pretty well. So for me, you know, conditioning has always been a big part of, of who I am as an athlete and who I am as a, as a performer and has gotten me out of a lot of trouble. Um, it's also kept, kept me relatively healthy, mm -hmm. you know, in a, in a very rough, rough business. Um, but yeah, so my, my diet and nutrition, I would say on overall does not change that much, whether I'm training for a fight or not. Um, I like to eat good food. I like to be healthy. I like to feel good. I'm always very active even when I'm not getting ready for a fight. So that doesn't change a whole lot. Um, but I would say it has changed throughout the years, just, you know, as my body's age, as I figured things out, uh, as I've been more aware of, of, uh, you know, my training capabilities and, and, and also now that I'm focusing much more on recovery than I did when I was younger, when I was younger, I just ran myself into the ground and trained, you know, 365 days straight, like a, like a dummy. Um, <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Um, uh, my body would be a mess. So now I focus a lot more on recovery and making sure that, um, my diet and nutrition is dialed in for that. So now let's talk about your book, Fighter's Kitchen. What was your motivation behind creating this cookbook? Um, <clears throat> social media, posting really? my food and people were like, man, what is this? What is that? This looks awesome. Hey champ, blah, blah, blah. What's the recipe for this? And I'm like, I'm DMing people recipes and I'm like, you know, this is a waste of time. Like it's, it's, uh, it's too specific. Everyone's asking me. And then when we were in the, uh, a pack out training camp, you know, social media, my social media obviously blew up and I was cooking all meal and all my meals. And I always have, I've cooked all my meals for my entire career. Um, all my weight cuts, everything. Never had a dietitian. I've never had a nutritionist. I've never had a meal prep company. Uh, someone asked me today, like, Hey, what meal prep company do you use? I'm like, I'm my kitchen. What do you mean? I, I cook everything. Oh, I <laughs> me, me. Um, you know, I like to cook. I enjoy cooking. And it's, it's kind of my debriefing on the day. Like when I cook dinner at night, it's like a hard training day. I come home and I just block everything out except for my cutting board, my knives, you know, and, and what I have ahead of me. So uh, for me, it's like, you know, I love to cook and it's, it's a big part of being an athlete, uh, especially in this sport where you have to make weight. So there was that. And then the social media, and then a publisher reached out to me and said, uh, Hey, we have an idea for, uh, this book. We'd like you to author it. What do you think? And I was like, man, I'm way ahead of you. I've been writing my recipes down for a couple of years now. Um, it was a little daunting when they told me they wanted a hundred, which in hindsight is nothing. I have another hundred. You know, now that, now that I, I really went, went down and like 
wrote everything down. I'm like, oh man, this is, I have so many recipes and so many different kinds of foods. Um, so yeah, we, we, we contracted that in August of 2018 and the book was completed and done by December 1st, I believe, um, which was a tremendous amount of work and a very short tar- uh, deadline, uh, time frame. very hard deadlines, very strict, uh, all contracted, you know, it was, it was a humbling task. Yeah. I was also training for my comeback too. That was my first, <laughs> my first. So you're doing all of that while you're do- while you're getting ready for your comeback. I was also in Daniel Jacobs camp as his nutritionist. Wow. Yeah. So all three of those, I was his nutritionist. I was getting ready for my own fight and I was writing the, the, the book. That is insane. That is the definition of a high performer right there. High performer. Just like, like I said, no, no, no social life, lock in, get it done, mm-hmm. sacrifice. Well, I think those, those harsh deadlines, I'm just reading this book. I have it on my desk now called high performance habits by Brendan Burchard. And book. I, I read it before. It's great. And I'm actually at mm-hmm. the part where he talks about putting those harsh deadlines or having someone put harsh deadlines for you is the most efficient way that high performers get things done and they get it done right. Like they have a, they have a, like a flame lit under them too, like you do, um, to get it done. And, you know, they have a passion behind it. So it's very interesting that you got such a phenomenal cookbook done in such a short amount of time. Uh, I personally, I had to try one of your recipes before I had you on the show. That's why I told you, I was like, I want to read your book. And you're like, it's a cookbook. I'm like, I have to try one of the recipes. (laughs) And of course I tried the Italian omelet. Had to. Okay. Okay. So freaking good. Yeah. I'm I'm really happy with the way it came out. Um, The feedback has been tremendous. People, uh, I think I'm trying, I'm trying to think of of the, the items that people like love. I mean, the cover that, that avocado, uh, sweet potato breakfast hash. People love that one. Um, the turkey Italian meatballs over the, uh, zoodled zucchini or the noodle zucchini. People love that one too. Turkey burgers are always a, a gold standard. Um, the flank steak, the Argentinian chimichurri flank steak. People like that one too. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of good ones in there. So how did you end up narrowing it down to the wide variety of, uh, recipes that you do have in your cookbook? Basically, I just based it on what I've been, always been eating. You know, um, you know, people ask like, "Oh, what's your what, what's your diet like?" I'm like, I eat food. I eat whole food. I eat all kinds of food. I'm like, oh, do, you don't eat meat, though, right? I'm like, yeah, no, I love meat. You know, or you, yeah, but you know, you don't eat this. You don't eat carbs. Like, no, nah, not eat carbs. You know, I eat everything: pasta, rice, potatoes, bread, um, I meat, fish, chicken, pork. You know, uh, seafood. You name it, low carb, high carb, keto, vegan, vegetarian. I make meals that are vegetarian, make meals that are vegan as well. So I just wanted a, a variety of foods just to show you that, you know, human beings are omnivores. We can eat everything. We do eat everything. And that's, that's you just got to figure out what works best for you. But at the end of the day, um, you know, whole, real, organic, quality food is, is food. Everything's food. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really like there wasn't, there isn't much design to the book. It's really just the way that I eat. So before we end today's interview, we're going to play a speed round game that I like to call Unboxing the Boxer. Yes, very original. It's my own little thing. Um, So I'm going to ask you a bunch of random personal questions, and you have to answer them as quick as you possibly can. So I'm going to ask you a question. The first thing that comes to mind, say it. All right, ready? So if you weren't a pro fighter, what could you picture yourself doing? Chef. Chef, okay. Okay. Uh, favorite sports team? Yankees. Uh, favorite food? 
Steak. Uh, favorite movie? Raging Bull. Uh, favorite musical artist? Ooh, um, shoot. That's tough, especially being from New York. Um, probably Gangstar. Um, or, I mean, I like Rakim too. Rakim is, Rakim is my walkout music. Don't sweat the technique, Eric being Rakim. But uh, probably Gangstar. I, I throw Gangstar on all the time, especially in the gym. It just, it just, it just puts me in a vibe and a mood. I was just going to ask, is that the type of music that you listen to while you work out? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Except when I'm cutting weight. Then I put on like EDM, whatever. Anything that keeps me just like <laughs> frantic. <laughs> Raging the whole time. Yeah. just <laughs> Mosh pit in the middle of the ring. Exactly. I'm, I'm literally, I dance. While I'm cutting weight, I'm dancing, moving. There's no, not, there's no moment where I'm not moving and sweating. Uh, your favorite boxer besides yourself? Uh, all time? All time. All time favorite boxer. That's a really tough question. Um, man, I, I've been watching a lot of Sugar Ray Leonard lately. He's just so crazy good. His jab, his rhythm, speed, power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sugar Ray. Ah, Sugar Ray. Okay. That's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, your biggest fear? Biggest fear. Um, and I don't, I don't fear a whole lot. <laughs> I got it. biggest fear, biggest fear, biggest fear. Um, I guess letting down my family, you know, like just, yeah. Yeah. Letting down my family, um, you know, because they have been a staple of my career and my life and I'm super close with all of them. And I'm not always the best friend or the best family member in general. And I know that, and I've always been that way. Um, cause I'm a fighter and I'm selfish. So yeah, I think, I think ultimately letting them down would be shitty. Favorite holiday. Thanksgiving. Things that annoy you the most. Uh, things that annoy me the most. Um, people not pushing their chair in really pisses me off, especially in my place. I don't know why that just popped in my head. <laughs> I feel like you're subliminally messaging someone right now about a uh, several people, several people. What else? One of those people, huh? Um, uh, lazy people in the gym. People, I mean, well, lazy people in general. You have gym people, and and this this guy in the gym, bro. Especially with fighters, we're boxing. Like, like, do that later. Do that at a photo shoot. Let's train. <laughs> Favorite animal? Dog. Dogs. More dogs. Dog? Dogs. Yeah. Okay. Definitely, dog. Definitely dogs. Uh, favorite store to shop in? Any type of store? Ooh. Uh, oh, supermarkets. I love, I love grocery shopping. <laughs> what was your first job ever? Um, martial arts instructor. Uh, and your favorite song at the moment? Favorite song at the moment? Um, I like uh, at the at the moment, and I don't like like new hip hop, but Pop Smoke, Invincible. That song just. I was just listening to that song. That mm -hmm. whole album is I, I, like I'm not yeah. I'm not really big into the new hip hop artists. Yeah, me neither. That's pretty. Yeah, that's that, that's fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you have a middle name, what is it? Mark. One superpower you would like to have. Ooh, good question. Um, <clears throat> I'll be fly. 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 I was going to say reading minds, but I feel like I can do that anyway. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. There's some people I don't think I want to read their minds. So flying. Good point. Really good point. Really good point. <laughs> favorite, favorite TV show? Uh, 
Current Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That show cracks me up. Classic. Are you like a, a Netflix binge watcher? I feel like you really don't watch a lot of TV. Are, are you? I watch a lot. People yeah. are so surprised. Like, oh, do you ever have time to watch it? I'm like, yeah, a lot. I mean, when you're training, like you have to get horizontal. You have to relax. Um, I'm not much of a reader anymore. I used to. I do a lot of books on tape, but I don't read much anymore unless it's like I read textbooks when I have to like write things, you know, but otherwise I don't read for fun so much. Um, but I do like kind of mindlessly putting on some some TV and I love movies. I'm a big movie watcher, you know, so I'll usually end every night watching a movie or a show. Okay. Uh, and a favorite snack at the moment. Oh, so I've been making, um, it's like a Brazilian Colombian, um, like yuca starch tortilla. And, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, um, my Colombian and Brazilian fans are going to be pissed at me. It's, um, it's like, it's basically like a, like a white tortilla and it's made out of yuca starch, um, or tapioca, like tapioca mm-hmm. is what they call it. Um, and it's like this fine, almost like flour like material and you add water to it, you let it sit and it separates. And then, then you pour the water off, you dry it out. And literally you put it in a pan, like it's powder, you put it in a pan and it just turns into one tortilla. And you can put eggs in it. You can put Nutella in it. You can put almond butter in it. Um, I've been posting. People always ask me what that is. It's, it's like a white kind of starchy. Yeah. Thing, but that's, been a, that's been a really fun thing to play with lately. Were you into science as a kid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. Why 100%. Because the way you're describing it, it's like chemistry. It's such a science behind it. So I figured you're one of those kids that probably would have liked to play with like the little uh, – the little, what do they call the little glass things? Yeah, the uh, um, the cylinders and the graduated <laughs> cylinders, and yeah. Well, I worked, I worked in a in a uh, so in grad school, I worked in a lab and gen, a genetics lab in Cold Spring Harbor, the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, which is one of the most famous labs, like literally in the country, um, working on like autism research and yeah. I, I, so yeah, very very science based. Speakers is the name, by the way. Speakers. Speakers. There you go. Babe, uh, and country you would love to visit? I mean, I love to travel, and I've been a lot of places. Um, Thailand is on is on the on the list. Um, I've heard great things about Croatia. Really? Yeah, I heard really good things about Croatia that I've been interested in. Um, love Germany, love Spain, love Italy. Um, obviously, been to China. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go to Morocco. Morocco is beautiful from what I've heard. I want to go to Morocco. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a long list. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fine. And uh, that was the last question for my unboxing the boxer segment. So thank you for playing along. Cool. Cool. Um, and on that note, yeah. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug for yourself? Shout out your social medias, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's all on my Instagram. Just check out my Instagram. ChrisAlgeri.com has links to everything. Um, I don't do a whole lot through that these days, but I probably should. But yeah, it's mostly everything's on my Instagram. Um, I, I, I do interact a lot with people. Not so much on, like, on the front page, but I do, D, you know, I do DMs quite a bit. So Okay. And I also have um, a couple of people that ask questions when I asked, what would you like Chris to answer? Mm-hmm. So we have... Do you ever have cheat meals? And if so, how often? No, because I don't call them cheat meals. But yeah, I do eat things that are not, you know, what people would think is healthy all the time. What is your guilty pleasure? 
Food-wise. I, I love cheeseburgers, bacon cheeseburger, hamburgers. Um, I, de- I do eat a lot of red meat. You know, it's fine. I get asked that all the time. People are like, oh, is re- eating red meat bad for you? I'm like, if it is, then I'd be dead because I eat steak two, three times a week at least, plus I eat burgers all the time. Um, but yeah, I do, I do really enjoy burgers. I'm not a sweets guy at all. So dessert's not my thing at all. I, I like fat. I like salt. Um, so burgers do the, do the, do the trick for me. My, my first meal after a fight's a burger. Have you ever tried the carnivore diet or? So I've done a lot of research about it. Um, I've actually used it. I've, a buddy of mine, um, was vegan for years and he was having terrible gut issues. Um, so I mean like really bad, like it was ruining his life. And, uh, I told him a bunch of different supplements to try and we were trying to figure everything out. It took a long time. And finally he's like, I don't know, dude, he's like, I'll try anything. And I'm like, man, there's a, there's some research that says that the carnivore diet is really good for like a gut reset. I know it's completely the opposite of what you've been doing the last whatever. So he went carnivore and his symptoms went away in like two weeks. I also heard that depending on your blood type, that that may play a factor. Is that true? It's not, not true. Okay. I think there's a lot more research to be done. Um, I think there's going to be a big wave in the future with, um, just genetic like genomics and nutrition, like the way your genes, where your ancestors are from, you know, you're Italian, right? So your family's coming from Italy. Mm-hmm. Beef's not the biggest thing that's eaten there, right? It's a lot of starch, a lot of carbs, a lot, you know, depending on where you're located, you know, um, seafood, pork, things like that. So like it, you would think it makes sense. It's intuitive that the foods that your ancestors eat would be good for you even now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes a long time for there to be like genealogical genetic change. So for the most part, you know, what your grandparents ate is probably going to work well for you, but we're all different, you know? And, um, my family's from, my mother's from Argentina and there's a ton of beef eaters there. And my dad's Italian, but he's Southern Italian. Um, you know, so kind of coastal, so seafood and red meat works really well for me. Um, but honestly, pasta doesn't, I pastas, uh, breads I love, but they don't, I don't feel the best when I eat bread. Um, oddly, I feel great when I eat rice. So, just kind of figuring out what works for you. Um, but red meat works for me. Carnivore is something that I would like to try as a novelty. It's not something that I think I would want to do sustainably. I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. Um, because I do like to eat meat, but, um, I think for my training, it doesn't make any sense. I feel like, cause we were, we were talking, uh, like a week or so ago and how you would want to create more content. I feel like that'd be like a pretty cool thing to like have your followers on a journey of like doing the carnivore diet for yep. X amount. I would, I would like to try every diet. I'd, I'd go vegan for two months. I'd go carnivore for two months. That would be like a cool content thing that I would do, but I can't do that while I'm training. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would totally follow that though. I think a lot of people would follow that. It'd be really yeah, cool. I think that'd be, I think it'd be fun too. Yeah. Um, okay. How much water weight would you lose for two hours or less before weigh-ins? I don't know what's um, that's a pretty specific time frame. Um, <laughs> I don't know where it got that. <laughs> it depends. Um, for the most part, I like to spend as little time at the weight on the you know for the scale as possible. Like I just take the water out, step on the scale, put the water back in. Um, I, I guess uh, I, I probably I, I'm I'm trying to figure out where they're really leading with the question. They probably just want to know how much water weight in general. I always say. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, uh, the highest level guys are going to move about 10% of the, of, uh, of the weight class. So if we're finding at 140, we're looking at 14 pounds. There's going to be a 14 pound swing from about a week out, you know, or two weeks out to what fight night's going to be, you know, and most guys are going to put that eight to 
you know, swing from, you know, what they're doing fight week and then what they're going to be in fight night. That's kind of what you want to, how you want to do it. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're cutting, whatever the bulk of your sparring weight is, that's what you want to be in the ring on fight night, because that's who you are, your body at the, at the highest level, three pounds makes a difference. You know, me being three pounds heavier or lighter changes who I am as a, as a person, where my arms are, how I feel, my, my conditioning, whatever, um, at the highest level that matters. So wherever you are at the bulk of your sparring, that's what you want to be stepping in the ring. And that's always the aim for, for when I fight. Okay. And the last question is, um, is way important for pre or post workout? Uh, both depending on what your goal is. So whey is a fast digesting protein, the fastest, um, it is the highest thermic effect protein. Um, you know, so your, your body burns a lot of, of calories, actually close to like 30, 35% of ca- the calories of the, of the way to process it. Um, and it hits your bloodstream like super quick. So post-workout it's ideal, um, because you're getting it right to the working muscles for recovery and regr- and, and, and regeneration and growth. But also if you're maybe a strength athlete or it's a strength workout and not so much an endurance or cardio, um, and having it before is fine too. So you're putting amino acids into your bloodstream right away while you're training. So while you're breaking down muscle, you're having amino acids go to the working muscle as it's working. So like a bodybuilder or a strength athlete, that's going to be really important for them to make sure that they have that amino acid pool spiked during their workout. Is there a certain whey protein brand that you suggest or any whey protein is good? I would go with uh, the highest level, highest grade is as whey isolate. You know, isolate protein, which takes out way the most lactose and carbs. So it's, it's pretty much just, just protein. Um, and whey has the highest amino acid or the, the most complete amino acid profile. And when you're looking at ways you took on amino acid profiles, like that's where you get kind of like, you've heard like complete proteins in veganism. And they always talk about that. And like, there's a specific amino acids that are lower in vegetarian sources. Um, namely for athletes, leucine is that really important primer uh, amino acid that your body needs for muscle protein synthesis. That's what, that's what hitting that leucine threshold is what jacks up your body's ability to build muscle or recover. Um, that's why whey is, is, is such a great post-workout, uh, option because it's very high in that specific amino acid leucine. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for answering some of those questions. Uh, I'd love to do uh, an IG live with you one of these days and kind of have you go into a little more depth about nutrition. Cause I feel like a lot of my listeners have asked me a couple questions and, Honestly, I feel like you would be the best to answer some of those. So I'd love to have you come on to an IG live and answer some of those for us. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Those uh, We've had some really good um, good sessions with that. I've, I've done a few. I did a few with my friends during quarantine. I did one with uh, Kelly Pavlik recently. Um, it was good, it was good, uh, good feedback. So awesome. yeah, anytime. Well, Chris, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Really means the world to me. We'll stay in touch. Hopefully at some point this year, we'll be meeting each other in person at a live event, that would be ideal. <laughs> fingers crossed. I think that's coming sooner than later. So, um, Hopefully, yeah, fingers, I'll see you out for fights. Yeah, that would be, that would be really ideal. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, Chris, and we'll stay in touch. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And, uh, just to rub it in, I'm headed to the pool right now. <sighs> You're number one, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Inside the Ring is sponsored by Egg Weights, Liquid IV, and Goalie. 
Egg weights are the only hand weights in the world that conform to your body's natural motion. These weights are a boxing breakthrough. The palm-centered weights are the most balanced, compact, and ergonomic shadow boxing weights in the world. They are specifically designed to flow with any striking form and are amazing tools for building endurance, power, speed, and mental toughness. Egg weights are now the standard for Olympic athletes, professional, and public boxing clubs across the USA and Europe. Get yours now at eggweights.com and use code Rebecca Ruber for 10% off. Hydrate, energize, and sleep better with liquid IV using the science of CTT. CTT enhances rapid absorption of our wellness ingredients into the bloodstream. 50 million servings have been sold. They are gluten-free, no artificial sweeteners, they're vegan, and U.S. order ship-free. I personally have been using Liquid IV since 2019, and all their products not only taste delicious, but they are highly effective. They're great for hydrating before, during, or after an intense workout, needing an energy boost during that 2.30 p.m. crash, and their sleeping products will have you falling asleep within 20 minutes and have you waking up with zero grogginess. Use code RebeccaRuber25 for 25% off your whole order and free U.S. shipping. Goalie gummies are gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, and gelatin-free. 100% natural and plant-based, get all the age-old benefits of apple cider vinegar in a delicious gummy. On top of having the benefits traditional ACV has, Goalie gummies have additional benefits including superfoods, good taste, good smell, better for your teeth enamel, and they're easy to take. Use code RebeccaRuber for 5% off your next purchase. Remember, every purchase using these codes help the show tremendously, so please consider checking out these products. And if you decide to purchase, take a picture of your order and tag me at Inside the Ring Official for me to repost on my Instagram story. Thank you.